0: Amos chapter five, and when you get it open or when you get your screen open, I just want you to look up, Amos chapter five. Now I want you to bow your head. And I wonder, in this group right now, right here, this morning, If there's anybody in this service who could say, Brother Greg, we prayed for the hurricane victims. We prayed for people in our own church. But if you only knew what I'm dealing with, I need prayer, I need prayer. If that is you this morning, I want you to slip your hand up right now. Amen. Hands in every section. You can put them down, hands in every section. God, I pray this morning that your Holy Spirit would speak right where we're at. Lord, help me not to trip over anything that would cause us to move away from what you want to say, but may your living word speak again. May your Holy Spirit convict again. May your Holy Spirit comfort once again, God. Would we recognize that we're not alone Help us now, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amos chapter five, we could almost say and we could almost hear uh, the children of Israel for a short time wring their hands and say, lay it on them God, the enemies of Israel. But what we've discovered is, God holds his people accountable. That God holds us accountable as believers, with the truth that we've been given in the gospel. And this morning, when you look at chapter 5, it begins with these words, Hear this word which I take against you, a lamentation, O house of Israel. Now, we know that there is a book called Lamentations. It's really the lamenting of Jeremiah. Uh, in looking up at the definition of the word lamentation, uh, it says a dirge. So that, that's helpful, isn't it? So what's a dirge? It's a, it's a mournful song. It's a song of mourning. And if we look back at last week and, and would see that uh, Amos has a message for the people then, what we see in today chapter five is he is pleading with the people. And we see it in context. He says, a lamentation, O house of Israel. The virgin of Israel has fallen. She will rise no more. She lies forsaken on her land. There is no one to raise her up. Now I wanna tell you this morning what we see in America. We're looking for the wrong answer to raising us up. We think that revival's gonna come if there is economic recovery. We think things are really getting good when we see gas coming down or groceries going down. We, we, we think that things are, are returning to normal. Folks, Would it ever occur to us that God may not want us to return to normal because we've gotten so complacent? And when you look at this text, the Bible says, there is no one to raise her up, as if Israel has crossed the line. Here's the good news of the gospel. God always has a remnant, but there's normally a painful cost to get there. He refers to Israel as a virgin, a land that had been kept secure. One writer said is now raped with invasion. And God says there's no one to raise her up, verse 3. For thus says the Lord God, the city that goes out by a thousand shall have a hundred left. It's almost as if there is a purge. And that which goes out by a hundred shall have 10 left to the house of Israel. For thus says the Lord to the house of Israel, seek me and live, circle that, seek me and live. But do not seek Bethel nor enter Gilgal nor pass over to Beersheba. For Gilgal shall surely go into captivity and Bethel shall come to nothing. Seek the Lord and live, circle that there. Seek the Lord and live lest he break out like fire on the house of Joseph and devour it, with no one to quench it in Bethel, you who turn justice to wormwood and lay righteousness to rest in the earth. He made the Pleiades and the Orion, the the constellations. He turns the shadow of death in the morning. He makes the dark day as night. He calls for the waters of the sea and pours them out on the face of the earth. Circle it. The Lord is his name. He rains ruin upon the strong so they fury, so that fury comes upon the fortress. They hate the one who rebukes in the gate. They abhor the one who speaks uprightly. Therefore, because you tread down the poor and take grain taxes from him, remember here, here's the accusation again against Israel, you've forgotten how to take care of the poor. And all of the blessings in your life, you've forgotten to meet needs of people. Though you have built houses of hewn stone, you should not dwell in them. Though you've planted pleasant vineyards, you should not drink wine from them. I know your manifold transgressions and your mighty sins, afflicting the just and taking bribes. Here it is, diverting the poor from justice (coughs) at the gate. Therefore, the prudent keep silent at that time. Circle this, for it is an evil time. Seek good and not evil, circle that. That you may live. So the Lord God of hosts will be with you as you have spoken. Hate evil, love good, establish justice in the gate. It may be that the Lord God of hosts will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. So, Lord Jesus, help us this morning uh, look at what it really means to, to hear the lion roar. Help us to understand, God, that uh, your heart breaks over sin, your desire is to call us back to yourself. And I don't know what it's, it's going to take to get the attention, Lord, of some. But I pray that you have our attention this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Up to this point, the prophetic judgment of Amos had been hard on the enemies of Israel. It shifts his focus to Israel, a divided nation. In chapter 4, we found out that the corrections did not lead To repentance. The call for this message today is simply this to turn back to God. And for some of you here today, turning back to God begins with recognizing your need for God. You know, I was a little boy, uh, many of my first memories were in church, and I was in a revival as a nine year old boy, and an evangelist named Jesse Buell was preaching. And he gave an invitation, and I sensed God doing something in my life, and I went forward with maybe a friend, I believe. Came to the point where I followed the believers, baptism, and then began my journey as a church kid growing up in a Southern Baptist church. Became a teenager and had a hunger to read the Bible. I wanted to read the Bible every day as a teenager. But God did more than just allowing me to read the Bible, God began to convict my heart about my own decision. I would lay in bed at night and wonder if I were to die, would I really go to heaven? And then on a Tuesday night, you know the story, in a revival, I decided I'm not, I'm not wrestling anymore. I sure hope I don't disappoint my pastor. I sure hope I don't disappoint mom and dad, but I'm going to make sure I'm saved. Gave the invitation, I came forward, got on my knees with Tommy Stevens who was like their discipleship pastor and invited Christ into my heart. 14 year old boy, long time ago, 46 years ago. For me, turning back to God meant turning to God. But for some of you here today that are Christians and maybe long time Christians, you've lost the joy, you've lost the fire You've lost what it really means to have joy in serving the Lord. I mean, maybe church has become a duty for you, and it's not been a blessing to you. It might mean that God just wants to get our attention to just come back to him, to come back to him. Uh, do you remember the old commercial that Burger King used to do about the Whopper? And I, I know that's a spiritual term there, but go with me, Okay. What was their, their catch? Have it. Say it again, have it. Okay, young people, that was a commercial, Burger King, Whopper, meaning that when you came in and ordered a hamburger, you ordered it the way you wanted it. Okay? I believe what we've done in America is we have created a gospel that serves your best interest. And what the message of Amos is is God is a God of judgment and you better get right with God and you better get serious with God and that may involve you turning back to him. It's very easy for me. I don't know if it's easy for you. You ready for this? This one hurts me to tell you this. It's very easy for me sometimes to be judgmental. It is very easy for me to judge others and often judge others when they're going through a difficult time. Here's our prayer. Here's my prayer. God, help me never to act better than anybody. Help me to love everybody. And God, as a husband, as a dad, as a papal brother, son, and pastor, Help me never to say something like this, that'll never happen to me. In our marriage, help me never to say that'll never happen in our marriage. In our family, help me never to say that'll never happen to my kids. That'll never happen to our grandchildren. Listen to me, help me never to say that'll never happen in this church. Folks, I'm telling you this morning, only by the grace of God. And as Amos laments, he recognizes that there is no one now who's going to raise them up. There's no one who's going to fix the problem that the judgment of God is coming. And I believe when we look at this passage, there are three things that God wants us to do when we think about this issue of revival. I mean, look at verse 4. Seek me and live. Verse six, seek the Lord and live. Verse 14, seek good and not evil that you may live. So what's the first thing this morning? Number one, listen to the word of God. Listen to the word of God. That's the first step. The Bible says in Psalm 85, verses six through eight, will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Now, Amos knew what that was about. Look at verse 8, the last line. The Lord is his name. Psalm 85, verse 7 says, Show us your mercy, O Lord. Grant us your salvation. And here it is. And I will hear what the Lord God will speak. Will speak. Habakkuk says it this way. I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart, Habakkuk one, and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. Now, Friday night, Thursday was September 29th. That's the actual date. 44 years ago, it was Renee. We had our first date. We had a football game. It was really on a Friday, but it was on the 29th. And when we're able to help anybody in marriage, here's what I tell people our marriage is not perfect. Does anybody want to say amen about your marriage? It's not perfect, but it's awesome. And here's what we've learned three things. to say every day in your marriage. Get your pens out, man, let's go, right here. Number one, I'm sorry. For some of you, that is so foreign you don't even understand it. I'm sorry. Number two, you're forgiven. If you don't learn how to recognize when you mess up, And if you don't know how to recognize, how to give grace to your spouse when they mess up, you are destined for a long journey. And then number three is, tell them you love them every day. You'll say, well, Brother Greg, um, I I used Wayne Clevenger in the first service. And since he's not here, I just feel led to use him again. Uh, I said it'd be like Wayne and Betty. They've been married a long time, 53 years, I think. And Wayne said he told Betty he loved her the day they got married, and if anything changed, he'd let her know. Hey, I want to tell you something. We need to hear it, do we not? We need to hear it. Isn't it a blessing when your grandkids or little kids in the church grab you, and they, 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 they you know, it's just as natural as can be. But for some of you, let's look at me, listen to me. You've not said those words to your spouse in a while, and for everybody that's sitting here who's lost their spouse. I guarantee you, you're saying, oh, how I wish I could hear it one more time. But you know what, I'm gonna add a fourth one that Renee has taught me over all these years. You ready? Write it down, number four. Fourth one. What, what, are, the, what are the three things? Let's review. Okay, horrible participation, one, two, three. I'm sorry. Number two. Number three. Okay, add this one. I've learned this one over the, over the No, you're not always right. Can you, can you believe she told me that? You're not always right. How did I respond to that? Yes, dear, I recognize that. Folks, I'm telling you, when you recognize the word of God, it will draw us, and I love the fact that the Old Testament says, and, I, and I'm going I'm to answer and I'm gonna think about what I'm gonna answer when I'm corrected. That's what Habakkuk says. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 25, see that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven. And how does God speak to us? Through his word. Listen to the word of God. Israel had become spiritually arrogant. They thought that all this stuff they were doing actually pleased God somehow. Uh, Let me, let me, I believe this is an indicator of Christ has really changed your life. Of how you treat people that can absolutely do nothing for you. No angle, nothing in return, but how do you, treat people. Israel had become spiritually arrogant. And let me, let me give you some descriptions of spiritual arrogance. Here's the first one. A spiritual, spiritually arrogant person doesn't care about lost souls. You don't care about lost souls. You've forgotten the fact that when people die, they really go somewhere. That eternity is waiting, and it's one of two options. Uh, There are some people that think when you die that you're going to get right with God in the afterlife. Folks, you get right with God now, and the afterlife will take care of itself. Spiritual, arrogant people uh, don't make worship a priority. We just began First Connection, week one, point one worship the Lord God with everything we have. And if we do that, when we leave, we've hit the target we've hit the target. Spiritually arrogant people don't pray. We act as if God's not the source of power when we don't pray. And folks, I'm telling you, if revival comes, it's going to only be because of the power of an almighty God. Um, I saw a picture of the flooding, and it was a picture of a parking lot with about 20 vehicle electrical pumps underwater. I'm telling you for a person who needs power and electricity's out and the only answer is electricity and you don't have it, you're in trouble. But by the grace of God, we recognize this morning that there's spiritual power in Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit's alive and well and as crazy as the world seems, the word of God says there's hope in Jesus Christ. I love the old hymn, Marcia. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I love that. But also, spiritually arrogant people aren't good team players. They're not good team players. Israel thought what they were doing was actually pleasing to the Lord. And in this passage, Amos says, you're done. There will only be a remnant. So the first thing we need to do this morning is listen to the word of God. Amen, church? Number two. The second plea was to return to the Lord. Return to the Lord. It means to change our thinking. It means to make some decisions because over and over you see this. Verse four, seek me and live. Seek me and live. Verse six, seek the Lord and live. What's his name? Verse eight, the Lord is his name. Verse 14, seek good and not evil that you may live. The second plea was return to the Lord, to seek the Lord. Now, when we're living a life of disobedience, we've got some things backwards. One of them is we have a distorted view of who God is when we live a life of disobedience. As if God somehow is going to sweep our sin under the rug. We have a distorted view of sin that doesn't break the heart of God. We have a distorted view of life that we can be happy as a believer while living in sin. Well, according to Amos, he says, seek God. Seek God, seek God, seek God, and live. I love living in Preble County in the fall. I love getting behind farm equipment on the way to Eaton. because I realize we have farmers in our church. Guy's trying to do his job, get to where he needs to be. I love the fact that these combines are rolling. Harvest is coming in. I want to remind you this morning that Paul wrote to the Galatians in verse chapter 6, verse 6, do not be deceived. Listen to me. Look at me, everybody. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he reap. For he who sows in the flesh will reap corruption. What we're doing in America is we're sowing to the flesh. We're trying to make everybody happy. We're trying to be seeker sensitive so that people will want to come to church. I'm telling you, uh, Lifeway Research says when people come to church, they want to hear the Word of God, they want to hear the Bible. When people come to church, they want to hear praying. And we act as if somehow that does a disservice. I mean, I've already broken the the code of preaching a message. Most preaching professors would say, never read this much scripture before you preach a message. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning, all we have is the word of God. All we have is the word of God. And, And then Paul goes on to say, and let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. And then in verse 10, he says, and and let's, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are in the household of faith. You know, the Bible says in Psalm 1-1, blessed is the man who who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. God has never made it complicated for man to come to him. Complicated was the Old Testament system where God was separated behind a curtain and there was only one high priest who could go there and plead for you and, and go through these rituals over and over again. And when Jesus died on the cross, the, the, the veil of the temple was rent and two, torn open. John Phillips says, it's as if God is now saying, welcome, come on in. And brothers and sisters, you are welcome by the blood of Jesus Christ, by the blood of Jesus Christ. God's never made it complicated. Kyle Eidelman, in a Bible study called AHA, A-H-A, it's the story of the prodigal son. Some of you went through that with us. And he said there are three stages along the way for the prodigal son that really needs to take place in our life as well. What do you mean? Well, first of all, the first A is Awakening. And that's what the prodigal son had. He had an awakening that everything he took and left home and squandered, and now he's recognizing that home wasn't so bad and that his father's servants are in better shape than he is. You see, an awakening will lead to honesty. That's the H, A-H. It leads to honesty. And he recognizes, I messed up, I've blown it. But just like Amos, seek me and live, seek me and live three times, there has to be action. What did the prodigal do? He went home. He even rehearsed his speech. And the father is looking across the field, and he's been waiting for him the whole time. I mean, who do you see in the, in the story of the prodigal son? Do you see yourself as a prodigal? Do you see yourself as a father? I, I'm telling you, the, uh, the forgotten villain in that whole story is their self-righteous brother because he felt slighted. He felt like, I've never caused you any trouble, Dad, and you never thrown me a party. And the father rightly answered, I haven't needed to. You've been here, I've given you everything. I've given you everything. Here's my prayer. Uh, God's not made it complicated for us to come home. God, give me an appetite. Give me a hunger. Give me a hunger for the word of God. Give me a hunger for worship. I mean, the older I get, I don't have to get harder. God, soften me for the things that are important to you. And when it comes to sin in my life, just like the prodigal, God doesn't just want us to run to him with sin. And here it is, Lord. He doesn't just want us to run to him with our sin. He wants us to hate it as much as he does and to run from it. So, for that, in my life, I need help. How about you? I need God to help me, I need God to give me strength. So, listen to the word of God, return to the Lord. There's a third one we see in this text do what is good. Do what is good. Verse 14 says, it's an evil time at the end of 13. Would you all agree with me this morning? It's an evil time in which we live. You just watch, you just watch what happens. You watch uh, how people will take advantage of, of uh, broken out shop glass and open doors and, and things that aren't theirs. We live in an evil day. But the Bible says seek good and not evil that you may live. Here is the charge from Amos. After all of the judging, all of the, all of the harsh uh, prophetic word of judgment. He says, do what is good, follow up your seeking God, you ready, with living it. Don't just seek him, live it. Be changed from the inside out. You'll say, well, Brother Greg, I've got an issue. Romans 3.10, there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that understandeth. There is none that seeks after God. God, help me. Help me. Draw me. Call me. For your glory. So three times in this passage, Amos says in four, seek me and live. In six, seek the Lord and live. And then 14, one more time, seek good and evil that you may live. So Amos just puts it right on the the bottom shelf for you to take. Here it is. Make it easy. Pick whatever you want. Bible has a lot to say about seeking the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 29, but from there you will seek the Lord your God and will find him if you seek him with all of your heart and with all of your soul. Have you ever misplaced your keys? Oh, I've misplaced my church keys. I mean, the lifeline is on that lanyard only to find that you've been walking around with them in your pocket? Or they're right there where, where you should have seen them the whole time? And you have to be reminded, listen to me, the Bible says in Jeremiah 29, 13, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. There's something about seeking and there's something about being all in. Isaiah 55, three, incline your ear and come to me here and your soul shall live. I love that. Verse 5 says, but do not seek Bethel nor Gilgal nor pass over to Beersheba for Gilgal shall surely go into captivity and Bethel shall come to nothing. Make sure we understand something. We're to seek the Lord, not a place. Not a place. You might be E- equating your salvation with, with a place uh, a, and an emotional experience. Friend, I'm telling you, when you, you recognize you have your own aha moment that you're lost and in great need, I'm telling you, God will meet you there and make no mistake, you will recognize that it's the Lord God Himself that's doing the changing, not a place. When you look at the rest of this chapter, uh, you see some things. Verse eight, he made the Pleiades and the Orion. He turned the shadow of death in the morning. He makes the day dark at night. He calls for the waters of the sea and pours them out on the face of the earth. Who does that? The Lord is his name. He rains ruin upon the strong so that fury comes upon the fortresses. And what's the response? They hate the one who rebukes in the gate. They abhor the one who speaks uprightly. Therefore, you tread down the poor. You take grain taxes from him. Listen, folks, their heart wasn't right with God and they reject the very things of God. Seek the Lord, not a place. They were combining worship of pagan gods with the worship of Almighty God and thinking that would suffice. When you look at Amos chapter five, they absolutely thought they were pleasing God by what they were doing. Mark your Bible here. Let's go to Matthew chapter 7. We're just about finished. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. This is the end of what we would call the Sermon on the Mount. Verse 21 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven And then Jesus tells the story about two house builders. One built on the solid rock, the right foundation, and a storm came and the house stood. And could it be that we're not listening to the word of God, we're not turning back to God, we're not doing what is good because we really don't know him He doesn't know us. I want you to think when you gave your life to Christ, can you remember some of the circumstances, some of the surrounding? You might even remember somebody who was there or who you were with or who was preaching or who was sitting in your living room or who was leading your vacation Bible school class or who was in that Sunday school class. Do you know Christ? And I want to tell you something that we began first connection with this morning for folks that are looking at joining our church. I'm not interested in lost people becoming members of the church. We're interested if you know Christ or not. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You know the answer to that question Do you know Him?